It's Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, lovely to see you back. Good to see you, mate. I tell you, if you were a snowman out there today, you'd melt. Oh, you'd be struggling. It is starting to warm up. You'd be going all droopy and your carrot nose would be flopping down. I reckon by now you'd be a pint of water. You probably would be. What do you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought because it's uh, you know getting a little bit warmer, we'd talk about uh, clover in the lawns because the lawns are about to start to grow uh, yep. now that it is warming up, and clover is a problem at the moment in there. Uh, if you want to prune your mop tops as well, we can have a quick word about that. Pink diosma, a really beautiful plant at this time of year, and of course, free tickets to the Garden Ramble. It's the, going to be the last week we can do it. Very good. It starts next week, doesn't it? It does, yes. Uh, 16th and 17th, so we'll have a talk about that as well. Oh, so this weekend, actually. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. And we've got Gordon from Belmont, and he's got beetles on his hibiscus leaves. That doesn't sound too good, Gordon. How can we help you, mate? Um, there's a lot of little blue beetles. They vary in size. They're blue with, you know, like orange stripes or something, and they're chewing all the hibiscus leaves. Lots of holes in them. I'm just wondering what's the best to spray them with. Yeah, look, I mean, hibiscus generally are a you know a pretty tough plant. Uh, they'll you know they'll tolerate salt, uh, full sun, and you get you know lots and lots of flowers on them. You can also prune them back uh, really hard as well, hibiscus, and many many different uh, coloured flowers. But they are susceptible to the hibiscus beetle, and uh, it's a little sort of um, bluey black bug that can get in there, and it makes you know lots of uh, damage to the leaves, and it can also get into the flowers as well and do quite a lot of damage. So, uh, look, to get rid of that, you need to use confidor uh, that you can uh, spray that on you can actually use a, a tablet version as well but for what you've got i'd be using the uh, the spray uh, version uh, of course mate just be careful that there's no bees around when you're doing it uh, because confidor can be harmful to bees so uh, you know just take note of that and i uh, just generally give it a spray look they're a pretty shy little bug a little beetle uh, you know they will actually hide away sort of in the folds of the flowers so you don't necessarily see them too often yeah thanks very much for that scott okay yeah. not a worry you have a good one Thank okay, you. see you, Gordon. Bye-bye. Now we've got Carol from Summerland Point, and she wants to know how you can feed the lily pillies. Hey, Carol, how, how can we help you? Um, I, I've got some lily pillies that need feeding. Um, I'm just wondering what you recommend to feed them with. Yeah, so you have to be careful with lily pillies because uh, yeah. remember that they're a native plant, so uh, right. there are only yeah. you know some fertilisers you can actually use on them. Uh, a really good safe one to use is blood and bone, of course. Uh, blood you know, and you, bone. Yeah, you yeah. can use that uh, on plants in pots. Uh, any native, yeah. uh, look, you can use it on you know really touchy orchids, all sorts of things right. like that. Blood and bones yeah. are very very soft and safe fertiliser to use. And look, the other thing you can do, there's a uh, you know. Uh, uh, fertilizers like bounce back, uh, which you can use, but you have to read the instructions and make sure you only yeah. use it according to instructions. Uh, and of course, any other specific native fertilizer, you can get those. But again, always have a careful read of the instructions uh, yeah. when you're feeding native plants. Now, the great thing about lily pillies is that you know they're perhaps not quite as touchy as other native plants like grevilleas, yeah. for instance. Uh, but you do ha- still have to be careful with them and don't over fertilize them. Okay. All right. Once every six months or so. Oh, look, you can do it more than that. It's it's more yeah. that you don't overdo it, and you make sure oh, okay. you use exactly the right fertilizer. So, look, oh, if you are using uh, blood and bone, you can use that every yeah. three months if you want to. It's not going oh, to okay. harm them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that's what you recommend, blood and bone. Yeah, I, I think blood and bone is probably the, the safest one for you to use. And okay. as well, if you've got some left over, you can use it elsewhere in the garden. With blood and okay. bone, though, don't. Uh, piles of it around i've found this really funny thing with it once it gets wet it sort of sort of hardens and forms this sort of crusty sort of uh, you know 
yeah. top of, you know, like almost like icing sort of thing. It just goes crusty. And then when you're watering it, the water just runs away and it doesn't break down properly. So if you are going to use it, make sure you're just sprinkling it like a fine dust and even then maybe oh, just okay. lightly rake it into the soil if possible. Uh, and look with the lipillies, of course, uh, probably a good time to give them a prune back now if you want to. And uh, they're really okay. going to take off now that it's warmed up, uh, and especially okay. if we get some rain. Oh, they'll be really good. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they can get, you know, depending on what variety you've got, you have to keep them nice and hedged and uh, keep them under control. Right. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, That's good luck with it, Carol. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, Carol. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. 49216216 is the number to call. And we've got Brent from Sandgate. And he needs advice on how he can start aquaponics. Brent, how can we help you? Hi, um, I've heard that uh, if I ever wanted to start a garden, I could start what's called an aquaponics garden. Yes. Both plants and fish. And it's fairly... You uh, 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 start it and it's fairly self-contained. All you have to do is just add food for the fish and it's all waters and all that. Yes, that's that's correct. Look, I've only seen a couple of them in action. I know uh, a very good friend of mine wanted me to go all the way up to Mudgee and see a very extensive one up there once. We didn't quite get there, but I have seen a couple of smaller uh, ones here in Newcastle going. And essentially, they're just a, a series of uh, raised ponds uh, that uh, I guess the water's filtering through. So there's plants in there as well, you know, different types of water plants. The fish are in there. And uh, the the fish, obviously, you're feeding them. They're uh, eating food and, uh, you know, other stuff's coming out the little back of them. It propels them along, apparently. And uh, that's what's actually creating the food uh, for the uh, the plants. But, uh, look, I, I think it is quite a specialised area. I'd be jumping on uh, the www to find out more about it because I know from uh, just talking to my friend who is very much into it, uh, there are, you know, like a couple of expert groups uh, who will give you all that information about it. And there's also some places, obviously, that sell the equipment that you need okay okay so i'm sorry i can't be more specific about that i've, I've definitely seen them in action they work very well um but I, I think just because the you know they can take up a little bit of room so you need to have a nice uh, you know sort of uh, level uh, you know and large backyard so that you can get the water flowing around in the right way okay okay thanks very much brent okay, thank you cheers bye-bye Sounds pretty hard. Yeah, it's quite uh, difficult to set up, and I, I think get that balance right initially. Uh, look, the ones I saw, the couple that I saw around here in Newcastle were uh, sort of raised big, almost big tables, like yep. big square rectangular ponds that the uh, like pool tables or. Uh, yeah. Or bigger. Well, I guess they were like pool tables, uh. yes, but they were deeper. <laughs> so you couldn't sink the black there. Uh, but uh, yeah, the water just flowed around and around, and then you had to obviously pump it back up to the uh, top level again. And the fish just happily swim around in there, and uh, you know you could extract what you wanted from there. Fair enough. Good that he's having a go, though. Yeah, look, I think it's a great idea, and they are very self-contained, and they they seem to work from you know what I saw. I'll have to look up that place up at Mudgee. Apparently, it was a very very large one, you know, over sort of a couple of acres. The way they've actually you know dug ponds uh, in the ground, and they were filtering water. Uh, you know, through piping systems and stuff. But the ones I saw were quite self-contained. Uh, you can almost probably buy them as a kit, I'd say. But uh, I think with that sort of specialised stuff now, uh, you know, you really have to go to the uh, World Wide Web. It gets the experts' advice. Yes, I think so, yes. And we've got Diane from Curry. Now, Scott, she's looking for advice on how she can treat black spots on her roses. Well, black spots are bad enough, but if you've got them on your roses, that's not good at all. Tell us <laughs> about it, Diane. No, it's not good. <laughs> They're only young roses. They've only been put in this year. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we noticed yesterday when we were watering that um, they'd got black spot. 
Right. Okay. Look, that that sounds really unusual, especially where you are up at Curry, and and you know it's been very dry. It hasn't been humid yet, and that's usually when black spot comes onto the roses because it is a fungal disease. Uh, but the great news is you can control it somewhat here in Newcastle. Uh, I, I give that proviso because it is very difficult to control, and you have to do it, you know, quite regularly. But in Curry, you should be having uh, you know better luck with it. Uh, now, the things you need to use are triferine, uh, or oh, you can use. Hang on. Yeah, that's all right. T-R-I-F-O-R-I-N-E. And there's also copper sprays you can use. And there is an organic way if you want to go that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, you can use bicarb soda in water. Bicarb? Yeah, yeah, quite simply, yeah. Just use a very small amount of, um, you know, bicarb and uh, that'll uh, form a little uh, organic fungicide for you if you want to as well. But triferine's, you know, you know, the general one that most people use. But the other reason I, I just mentioned, you know, two or three uh, then, and it was three, I can count, uh, is because the, the fungal spores actually can sort of get used to using, you know, certain chemicals all the time. So it's quite good if you, uh, you know, you keep on alternating them and changing them around. Yeah. And look, when the leaves do fall off, don't let them just sit on the ground, you know, under the rose, because that's no. where uh, the fungal spores come from, and then they sort of, you know, bounce back and get blown back up uh, yeah. into the rose bush. So any any uh, leaf you see, yeah, try and get rid of them somewhere into a plastic bag and into the garbage. Definitely yeah. just don't leave them laying around. Otherwise, you're creating that perpetual motion machine, and uh, wouldn't that be fantastic? Okay. We could create that, uh, but what'll happen is the fungal spores will just keep going around and around and get worse and worse for you. Okay. Okay. No worries. Well, good luck Thank with you. it, Diane. Go spraying and uh, be, look, yeah. you have to do it regularly every week or so, especially when it gets humid. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And speaking of roses, we've got George from Maryville and he's also got a question about roses. Okay. How can we help you, George? Hello, Scott. Oh, George. How, how are you, mate? Good. I've got some rose cuttings. Yes. And I've put them into pots. Yes. Dipped them into the um, cutting powder. Yes. Poked them into a pot. How long? What's the next step after that? Okay, George, you have to keep them in there for quite some time uh, because, you know, once those little roots start to shoot down from those cuttings, uh, they're very, very uh, tender and vulnerable to being moved. So uh, often, you know, you, you'll leave them in there for quite a considerable period of time, you know, three to six months until they're ready to come out. Now, uh, okay. look, if you've put them in there and bunched them all in, in there together, uh, you know, that might be a little bit problematic because you're going to have to sort of try and tease them apart at that time. Uh, no, but, I've only got three or four in each pot. Oh, look, that sounds fantastic. So you could even leave them in there a little bit longer if you wanted to, just to make sure that they're going to be a little bit safer. Would a bit, would a bit of sea salt help them? Yeah, sea salt's definitely going to help our roses, uh, especially when you those cuttings, that those uh, roots are coming out, because sea salt is very good for the root system of plants. Uh, so any other fertiliser, I'll probably just leave them alone at the moment, but uh, you give them a, you know, a, just a gentle sort of dose of sea salt. Make sure you're still watering them, even though they might be sticks, but you should probably start to see some leaves coming on them soon now that it's warming up. Yes, there's plenty of new growth there. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, whoever cut them for you, mate, did a good job. Yes, they did. Excellent. That's good to hear. All right. Thanks very much, Okay. Scott. Good on you, George. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Beverly from Toronto. And she's got a question about ornamental bamboo ants and orchid. How can we help you with them, Beverly? Oh, well, I've um, taken the rose, the, uh, sorry, the, the um, bamboo. It shot up right to the ceiling. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, we can't go any further. So I've cut them back and um, I got 
cut them off the original um, stock that they were on, and I've plant, put three little ones in each pot, and uh, they're doing okay. Um, but what could I feed them to make sure that you know the leaves and the, the plants are nice and strong and the leaves are nice and green? Yeah. So when you, when you say ornamental bamboo, are you talking about that uh, you know the form of dracaena, the water bamboo that you can grow inside? Yes, it's inside. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did have them in water, mm-hmm. and they had all these little you know hundreds of little white shoots, you know, roots in it. So I yes. thought, oh, well, that, I can plant them into a pot now. So I put them in potting mix. Yeah, so look, that that's a good thing because eventually, I guess, uh, you know, if you were just drinking water all day, you'd probably get a little bit, uh, you know, tired of it as well and you wouldn't be getting so much, uh, you know, nutrient out of it. And that's the same thing for your uh, water bamboo. Eventually, they just get a little bit tired and they need to go into some potting mix. and uh, Or you can actually just, you know, put a very small amount of liquid fertiliser into that uh, uh, into that water, and it will feed them as well. But if you've got them into uh, into uh, potting mix now, I would also use a liquid fertilizer. There's a Flourish Green and Growth. It's excellent for. Uh, it's got lots of nitrogen in it, uh, mm-hmm. so it's uh, excellent for uh, plants like uh, water bamboo, where you just want the green leafy growth on it. Good, and um, that's fine. Green and Growth, it's called. Yeah, Flourish Green and Growth. It's a really good product. They've, they've, all, they've got all sorts of different, uh, you know. Uh, you know, sort of models of it that uh, you will do certain things, you know, one for camellia and azalea, et cetera, et cetera. But the one you want is called green and growth. It's high in nitrogen and it'll uh, feed those water bamboo just a treat for you. Oh, great. Now, the other thing is I've got some Phalaenopsis orchids yep. and um, they're out in full bloom now. They're, they're the ones, the ornamental ones inside mm-hmm. um, and they're the smaller ones, not the large ones you buy, you know, for floral work. Yes. Um yeah, and what uh, can I feed them? Because I've got two doing really, really well, and then two are very, very sick. And I've I've even pulled two of the lower leaves off and then cut another two in half, not to stress it out too much, mm-hmm. hopefully it's the right thing. And then it's got two more new leaves that have been there for quite a while. But, uh, you know, so I thought, well, that would de-stress the plant a bit if I did that. Um, and the other one had a little uh, growth on it and it had two or three little buds, but sadly the buds just fell off. Uh, now, that, how often are you watering your plant? Because when the leaves on the fallies uh, shrivel up, it might be that it's not getting quite enough water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that was the case before I got it. Yeah. I, I, it was someone else's and they you know, said, oh, no, I think it was on its way out. So I've fed it too with a bit of um, orchid feed that my daughter gave me, these pellets, you know, for the cymbidiums, etc. outside. Yep. And I've soaked them because I noticed on the sticker it said to put uh, uh, liquid fertiliser yeah, so every you, three weeks. Yeah, so you can get specific orchid fertilisers. So I'd go and grab one of those as well. The other thing you can use, and we were talking to uh, Carol from uh, Sunland Point earlier on, uh, and she was talking about lily pillies, but you can use a little you know, sprinkle of blood and bone as well if you want to and just sprinkle it around the, uh, the potting mix. And uh, that, that will really feed it up, give it some nice organic material in there as well to feed off. That's what I do. I've got a couple at home uh, on my kitchen table, and I've had them close to six years now, and I just give them a little bit of blood and bone every now and again. Yes. Okay. So that'll certainly so the help. Other, 
the other pellets will be all right. They do have a terrible odour about them. I thought they're good for outside orchids, but not so much for inside. <laughs> oh, what, what do they smell like? I can't imagine anything that smells so bad. <laughs> But, but look, oh, yeah, dear. make sure you're watering uh, watering those orchids as well. I know that I neglect mine quite often, uh, and I start to see them going that colour that you're describing. You know, they start to go a bit limp and uh, a little bit grey. And when you give them water, they do come back again. And make sure that they're in a proper, uh, you know, nice open uh, phalaenopsis mix as well. All right, good, good. Well, in that sort of moss uh, stuff that they were bored in. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So, look, if you do ever want to repot it, uh, go and get a nice open orchid mix. Usually, uh, when you go along there, there's a couple of grades you can get, one for cymbidiums, and then the other grade you'll get is one for uh, phalaenopsis or catalea orchids. It's a much, uh, you know, sort of coarser mix, and you can actually transplant them as well, but just let, let them finish flowering. And then once it's, you know, finished flowering, you cut it back uh, just above the node on that flowering uh, stem, and it will come again back for you next year. Great. And I'll just sneak another question about the roses I heard you talking about. Yes, yes. And I've, I've just had eight good, uh, solid um, rose bushes cut right back mm. and transplanted. Um, we had to move them. And uh, they've all got... They had a bit of um, white scale on them. Yep, yep. So I hosed them well and they didn't all disappear. So I'd put the white oil on it. Mm-hmm. And they're doing well, and they've all got uh, new growth on them now. Um, now, uh, previously, they were uh, they did get sort of uh, yellow leaves, and I suppose it's black spot, is it, on the yellow leaves? Yeah, look, I, I would think it's black spot. It's, it's pretty prevalent, uh, you know, here in Newcastle. And you're at Toronto, so, you know, you're even closer to the water in a way. So, uh, you know, the humidity that they get, they do get black spot uh, quite badly. Uh, you just mentioned scale. You know, roses can get louse scale on them up and down the stem. So uh, an old trick to do that was to get, uh, you know, the old toothbrush and dip it into some white oil and give it a quick scrub up and down the stem, and that would get rid of the louse scale as well. But I, I would think you might have had, if you've just had yellowing leaves, probably black spot. Uh, look, don't beat yourself up about it. Everyone in Newcastle gets it. You're not going to escape it. Um, so, you know, don't give yourself the old uppercut uh, over it. Just uh, get out there every week and treat it and just try and keep it under control the best you can. Good. And you would suggest spraying them with um, sea salt? Uh, no, sea salt's really only good for the root system of the plant. Uh, so you can, uh, you know, just uh, generally water the plant with sea salt if you want to. It will always, uh, you know, create a, a, you know, sort of happier and a healthier plant. Uh, but as far as spraying it over the leaves, it, look, I, I don't think that's going to be helpful. Uh, you need to use triferine or some sort of copper spray uh, to keep the uh, black spot under control. Well, I've got some poultry manure because I'm waiting for that first spring rain to put the poultry manure on afterwards. <laughs> yes, and, and look, and it must be around the corner. It can't be too far away, so uh, you could probably almost go out and get it in there now and just give it a gentle water in and uh, you know help your roses through spring. Oh, good. Oh, thank you so much. That's very helpful. Not a problem. Good to talk to you, Beverly. Good. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thanks, Beverly. Scarding talk back on 2NURFM. You want to ask Scott a question? 49216216. And we've got Jill from Salamander Bay, and she's looking for advice about growing tomatoes. Hey, Jill, what sort of tomatoes do you like? Uh, well, my problem is I put a couple of tomatoes in about a week ago, and they've been absolutely stripped. I was wondering what would be causing it. Oh, look, and they're only tiny little seedlings, are they? Uh, they're about, one would be about um, 12 centimetres high. Yeah, yeah. 
the other one was really healthy, cross leafy, about uh, six centimetres height. Look, now, look, there are, of course, a couple of things that can do that. Uh, you know, there's grasshoppers. They'll get in pretty quickly and uh, munch away. And at this time of year, you know, if they've survived through winter, they're fairly large and they're pretty hungry. Now, the other thing, you're at uh, Salamander. Uh, yeah. Are you near any bushland up there, Jill? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, now, possums are always going to be something that will come in and have a, uh, you know, really good turn uh, at uh, fresh new I've tomato never plants. Seen possums. And I've got a, a, another couple of tomato plants in that have are quite big. They've come from um, mm-hmm. seedlings, and they're okay. And it's the same with spinach. Some of the spinach is stripped, but the others are okay. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, uh, look. Oh. Again, you can only be something you know quite large and voracious, and that usually is a grasshopper. But you know, possums you come. See them, don't you? Well, you can. They're pretty crafty, though. They'll sort of get around in behind the leaves, and they'll fly away when you turn up. And and oh. the po- possums come in the dead of the night as well. So unless you're out there, uh, you know, oh. late after midnight, uh, you're probably not going to see the possums either. No, I don't think it's possums because there's too much other stuff in the garden. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, look, unfortunately, uh, you know, if it is, uh, you know, grasshoppers or, you know, even possums, there's not a great deal you can do for them uh, to, uh-huh. keep, to keep them under control, um, except, you know, just to ha- hopefully catch them, uh, or at least just catch the uh, the grasshopper. We won't uh, say about catching possums because that's not the right no. thing to do. No. Um, is there anything I can get for grasshoppers? Uh, look, they're very, very difficult to uh, to keep under control with sprays because you have to contact them. So really, you have to be almost there looking at it in their beady little eye. And, yeah. and I have a, a really good way of uh, getting rid of them when I can see them. See, mm-hmm. I can look deeply into their beady little eye and I get my <laughs> pair of scissors out from a, a holster and I just go snap and I snip their, uh, their heads off as quick as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And can I ask you, I've only noticed since I've been waiting, I've put out dynamic lifter. Yes. On the lawn, and I didn't put uh, manure out, well, just a manure, but cow's manure, because my dog eats it. Ooh. And now I'm noticing that she's eating the dynamic lifter. Oh, you look, you don't want that dog coming and giving you a nice big lick on the face later on tonight, do you? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, is there anything I can put on the lawn that'll fertilise it? Yeah. Yeah, so everything. Yeah, so you have to go for things like uh, you know number seventeen. There are some other you know sort of slow release ones. So really, you want to go away from organic uh, you know lawn fertilizers and go to the yeah. more of the chemical based ones. And uh, uh, you know your dog really won't eat those because you don't want your dog having bad breath. You know if it's eating cow manure all the time. No, I know Greg's got terrible breath. Uh, you know when he comes <laughs> in after eating cow. Oh, well, you know. yeah. That's only when I eat cow manure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My offence. <laughs> what could I get? Yeah, so look, Shirley's number 17 is an old, you know, sort of an old one that people use. You have to make sure you water that in uh, very mm. carefully. Uh, and there are other ones you can get. Uh, All right. know, yeah, different different uh, brands have different ones. Uh, All right, um, so, uh, yeah, just get one of the chemical-based ones. All right, thanks very much. Excellent. Thanks very much for your call, Jill. Thank you. Bye. Have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for mentioning the cow manure. Oh, look, I... <laughs> It's what keeps me alive, though. It does. I mean, it gives you hair under your arms. Exactly. Yeah. And I've grown two inches since I've started eating that's, it. That's so been fantastic. It's definitely been better. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Paul from Birmingham Gardens. And, Scott, he wants to know how you can get rid of grasshoppers. Hey, Paul, you've got them on your bromeliads, have you? Yeah. Hi, Scott. I've got a, um, a very large green alcantria in my garden. Yes. 
probably close to, well, be over half a metre across. And the, um, the leaves are very wide, but I've noticed over the last month or two getting big holes in there. I did see a big ground grasshopper that's obviously decided to stay in there in the winter. Mm-hmm. They're trying to catch it's another thing. And then I thought, well, is there something I could spray the leaves of the bromeliad with that's not going to sort of uh, pollute the water that's in the well of the bromeliad? At the same time, it's going to get rid of the grasshopper. Yeah, that, that's really, really difficult doing that. It's uh, a very tricky question. Of, no, you know, and, and look, and unfortunately, there really isn't an answer for that because once you start spraying around like that, you know, it's going to eventually wash off the leaves of the plant and, and down into the, you know, to the cup of the bromeliad and then, you yeah. know, that's going to create problems as well down in there. Uh, you, know, mm. you said the uh, holes were on the uh, inside of the leaves or around the edges of the leaf? Around the edges of the leaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. sort of probably sort of 10 or 20 cent piece size. Yeah, and that's um, what we got looking at at first because I thought, what's that that's eating the bromeliad? And on a closer inspection, I saw down in the in the axis of the leaf, there's um, that's where this big brown grasshopper was. But yeah. then, um, trying to catch it's another thing. Yeah, they, look, they, they are yeah. difficult to catch, and that does sound like it's doing that because, uh, uh, you know, grasshoppers will, you know, typically eat around the outside of the leaves. Snails will eat, mm. uh, you know, through the inside of the leaf. So it's, it doesn't sound oh, like okay. it's snails. So it sounds like it's been the big the big brown guy uh, hiding away in there. Uh, look, yep. he may well have just moved on anyway. Uh, you know, they are quite, okay. uh, you know, they, they will just move around. It's not like they get a home range and they, they stick there. They'll mm. go uh, where, wherever yeah. they can. Um, yeah, but, I've got many bromeliads in my garden, but um, it seems like this big green one is the only one he's chosen to chew on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder why. It must be tastier than the others. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. tried a few and gone back to that one. Yeah, so look, look, my uh, okay. my tried and true method is, unfortunately, the pair of scissors for the grasshopper. Uh, you know, okay. just give them a quick old snip. It, it seems to be that if, you know, they don't see the scissors coming for some reason, you can actually sort of get around them in behind them and just give them a quick snip and their head comes off. Uh, I don't know oh. why, but I have much more success, uh, you know, with uh, scissors than in any other right. implement. Yeah, as opposed to a chainsaw or something like that. That gets a little <laughs> bit, uh, t- it's overkill. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, look, okay. yeah. Otherwise, you, right. look, you can spray, um, but again, you you really have to contact the grasshopper. It's not like you can spray something and it will sit on the plant. And you know, Mr. Grasshopper comes and has a bit of a munch, and mm. uh, you know, it's curtains okay. for him. Unfortunately, you know, the scissors sort of are just as good as spraying in a way, uh, and probably right. you know less harmful to the environment as well. Okay. Now, on another very quick uh, point. Yes. About a year ago, I rang you about my Bismarck palm that had a very big lean on it, mm-hmm. and I got my brother to come over with a uh, a ratchet type oh, yeah, contraption, yeah. and it's virtually back to upright. Oh, fantastic! So your advice works. So thank you very much. Okay. So is the ratchet still on it? Or you've taken that off? Yeah, I've still got it on. I just took off some big um, palm leaves over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the lasso sort of around the trunk is nearly up to the point where uh, the leaves are coming out. So should I probably take it off sometime soon? Yeah, I'd be thinking about taking it off now. And if if it's going to move back, it's going to move back. But you'd hope now that you've moved it into that spot that the root system over the ensuing year uh, has spread out and taken hold or taken root and uh, that it's, you know, solidified in that uh, spot that it's in now. Oh, fantastic. Okay. 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 Thanks again, Scott. Okay. Well, thank you, Paul. Good on you. No worries. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.
Nice to hear a little success story there as well. Well, it is good. You know, we don't like to hear bad news stories here, do we? Just the good ones. Yeah, we don't. We, those callers don't go to air. They just, uh, you know, hide away somewhere. We, <laughs> they don't. Fade us straight back down. Yes, yeah. No, it's only good news stories here. And we hope that the advice we give is uh, helpful to people and that it does yeah. work out for them. It's interesting with the scissors and grasshoppers. I know. Look, I think the way... That's I'm... the only way to, to do it. I, mean, I don't think it's like... I've changed my mind about being barbaric. Yeah, I know. I can see you coming around. At first, when I mentioned it, you know, so all those years ago, you sort of, you know, you recoiled away from me into the yep. corner of the room, uh, you know, holding garlic and... With a look of disgust. Yes, <laughs> but uh, it, it, look, and it is better than, you know, spraying, I think, uh, if you can see them, because spraying has no effect. If, if they're not there and you can't contact them, uh, what's the use in, you know, harmfully, you know, spreading all those chemicals yeah. around into the world? Fair point. Yep, so get your scissors, sharpen them up, and uh, go for it. Now, Scott, it feels like a while ago since we started, and you mentioned about mop tops. Yes. Now, I thought haircuts straight away, but yeah. obviously I'm wrong. Oh, look, I, I think your hair looks fantastic. Well, it's not a mop top, today, though, is it? It's certainly not today. <laughs> uh, I think all those years ago we started, you might have had a more moppish haircut, but it's looking very nice now, very stylish. Oh, yeah, when I was going back to my Beatles phase. Yeah, yeah, back then. <laughs> so mop tops are a type of rubinia that people have in the garden quite often. Yeah. And they're just starting to shoot now with the warm weather. And uh, a, a fellow pulled me up in the street as I was driving along today. He just jumped in front of the car and said, look at my mop tops. Uh, what should I do with those? He wants to prune them back. Yep. And then as I've driven around town a little bit more this morning, I've actually noticed quite a number of mop tops that have been cut back uh, quite heavily. Uh, so it is time. If you want to give your mop top a good prune, get in there early, get in there now, um, you know, before they really start to shoot and take off. And you can prune them quite ba- um, you know, back quite heavily. Uh, this fellow, I remember, he actually did cut it back very heavily last year, almost back to the trunk. And he's got a fantastic looking plant again. And then again, like those ones that I saw, saw as I was driving around uh, they were cut back very very heavily almost to the trunk you don't cut back you know into the trunk because that's where they're grafted onto but you just keep you know it's like a small knuckle just above the trunk and then uh, you'll be right and you'll get a really uh, fantastic plant for the ensuing year very good and you can have a crew cut if you want to next week and we'll see what that looks like I'm good I think I'm due to go to the to the barbers or slash hairdressers whichever Uh, you prefer yeah well I'll go to the hairdresser fair enough righto for a manly chat. Yes. Um, <laughs> also, you mentioned a little bit about clovers in the lawn. Yes. Now, the lawn is not growing quite yet, especially no. buffalo lawn. It's still... Mine's, my lawn's dead. I don't know about your lawn, but my lawn is just brown. And I've got a secret at my place. I don't have a lawn at my place. Oh. Yeah. Right very, on. very clever. And I do live in a house. So. Okay. Yeah. So, are, you, are you just concreting? Uh, no, it's not quite concrete. It's not back to those days. But uh, <laughs> how's your lawn going? Is it... Uh, it's brown. Yeah. It's brown and dead. And what's it like to walk? Crunchy. Crunchy Crunchy underfoot. (laughs) Crunchy underfoot. Yeah, it's like, so if you're walking on sort of peanut shells, you know that you might have let it dry out a little bit too much. So good water. Uh, Also, clover's coming back, so you have to give it a spray at the moment to, uh, you know, try and keep that clover under control before the grass grows. Very good. Scott Sharp, out of time. Okay, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your week.